This week on Raffi Reviews, Raffi Reviews, Vengeance. the bat <laughs> uh go see this movie that's my rating go see it uh it's definitely wor worth the view um uh, i would maybe check the runtime before you go in um i didn't know this movie was three was three hours long um and it definitely felt longer than three hours um but yeah of course we are talking about the batman the newest batman movie from warner brothers um you know, I, when it comes to, like, the DC movies, I try to go in with some air of positivity because it's, like, a handicap, I guess, for them. But, you know, when they announced this movie, I wasn't super excited. I wasn't excited leading up to it either. Um, even with the casting news, even with the trailers, I never felt myself being um, as excited as everybody else. And that was kind of... That was kind of disappointing. I wish I could have been as excited as everyone else. Um, but it was just really hard for me to separate myself. Like, it was hard to separate this movie from everything around the movie. And I have that problem a lot when it comes to watching movies, is separating it from, you know, everything around it. Like, you know, I, I wasn't really looking forward to the Batman because I was still, like, high off the hype of James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And I was still more interested in seeing more Peacemaker. Um, and that's not to say, like, only James Gunn can make DC movies that I like, because I really like Shazam. Um, I thought Aquaman was okay. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's other movies that are gonna come out. Like, you know, if they ever make that Blue Beetle movie, maybe I'll like it. If they ever make, um, uh, that Zatanna movie, maybe I'll like it. Black Adam looks pretty good, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of position I'm in right now. Every DC movie has, you know, this kind of comma, but next to it. And the Batman was no exception to that. It was really hard for me to be excited for this movie, um, because, you know, it just felt really soon, I guess. And it really feels like DC and Warner Brothers are, you know... They owe a lot to those multiverse movies that have been coming out here and there. You know, uh, what is it? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from a while back. Um, you know, uh, what other? I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home had the multiverse. Doctor Strange has the multiverse. Everyone's doing multiverse stuff. Even the Flash TV show and the CW does multiverse stuff all the time. Um, and it really feels like they're using that multiverse thing to kind of, not cut corners, but get away with doing, you know, almost anything and anything that they want. Um, and I, again, I'm just really kind of, I'm conflicted with, uh, with that methodology. I'm conflicted a lot with the direction that DC and Warner Brothers are kind of going now because, like, you know, I, clearly a cinematic universe wasn't working for them. Um, which is why they're kind of taking a different direction. They're still continuing stuff like Aquaman and The Flash, 
um, but they're not afraid to sort of lay down new groundwork uh, in the case of the Batman, which, is, again, that's that's the weird thing for me, is that this is a Batman who we have no idea... Like, it, it'll probably get a trilogy, right? Like, like that. <laughs> this movie would have to bomb really hard for it not to get a sequel, at least. But, you know, is it going to lead to anything wider? And again, that's not the way you should go into watching a movie, is wondering, okay, well, what's going to come next? How is this going to affect the wider universe within this movie? Like, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Batman is its own thing. It's a good movie. And as it stands by itself, it, it should be judged by itself and not by what it could potentially lead to. Um, but that's what I mean when I talk about how it's hard to separate the Batman from everything DC and Warner Brothers are doing right now. Um, you know, people have asked uh, Pattinson and the director, Matt Reeves, about the wider DC universe. You know, is, is this Batman ever going to meet Superman? People online are already fan casting who the new Superman should be, who the new Wonder Woman should be, and it, it all just feels too soon. It, it's like everything around this movie was saying to me too soon, and then everything in, in the movie was telling me, um, you know, we're, we're kind of walking backwards. That's kind of how I feel about this movie in a lot of ways. Because, it's again, it's tough, right? Because I want to tell you, yes, this is a good movie. Yes, it does some cool stuff. Yes, it's, you know, visually it's amazing. But I don't think that the Batman needed to exist. Like, this movie didn't need to exist. I don't think this movie is going to do much for Batman as a franchise. People are going to talk about it, obviously, and people will compare it to the Batman Batman movies of the past, but I don't think it affects things well enough. You know, and again, it's it's really tough to to try and explain that this is a good Batman movie while also saying it doesn't really matter. Um... You know, it matters in its own universe. And I'm not even talking about on, like, a wider cinematic universe thing. I'm just saying, like, culturally speaking, I, I think things would have gone on the same as they've been going on if this movie just didn't exist and never came out. I think we'd still have the same kind of public opinion about Batman. I don't think this movie did anything to revitalize the Batman brand in any way. Because um, there's, you know, already plenty of other Batman stuff coming out currently there's you know you know the batman was like just in <laughs> like the the justice league movie the snyder cut it's not like batman was fading from relevance and it's not like anyone forgot how cool batman was like like i i would be willing to bet that a lot of people don't think about ant-man like often but when ant-man movie comes out and you see how cool he is you're reminded, oh yeah, I actually like this character. And I don't think you have that same experience with Batman. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do what I usually do with these. We're going to talk about the cast, we're going to talk about some notes, and we're going to talk about the future of this movie. Um, I'm kind of assuming that more of, my, more of my thoughts, you know, about what I like and what I don't like are going to come out. But, you know, we'll, we'll, give, this, uh, we'll give this a try. So, starting out, we have uh, Robert Pattinson, of course, who plays Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Vengeance. Um, he is the new guy. He is the new Batman, um, who I will... 
who I will inconsistently call vengeance throughout this, just like the movie likes to do. Um, uh, okay, let's let's start with things I like. I like that this Batman doesn't talk often with people. He's very quiet. He's very kind of stoic, and you know, if he wasn't so intimidating, he would be kind of awkward. There are a lot of scenes where he's around police officers and he's investigating scenes, and he's just kind of skulking around and. I, I like that a lot. I think I think they nailed a pretty good distinction between um, Batman with the police officers and Batman with criminals. Because when Batman's with police officers, again, he's kind of weird, he's distant, he's awkward, but he's investigating the same thing they are, and he's trying to essentially solve the same, same crimes that they're trying to solve. But when Batman is with criminals, he's... Uh, He's kind of mythic, and that's something I think this movie nails really well, too. Around The introduction of Batman in this movie uh, is done incredibly well. There is this narration from Bruce Wayne uh, about, you know, he, he wants the criminals of Gotham to believe that he could be hiding anywhere in the darkness, and they convey that really well by having random criminals throughout the city, you know, come across these... these corners of darkness where they can't see what's in there but they suspect it might be Batman and they're and they get afraid and they run away it's it's perfect utilization of Batman's main tool which is fear um but he talks about that and, and I love that too I like that this Batman gets to have a narration he gets to have an inner monologue um it's very Batman year one and I like that a lot and then you know with the criminals, he doesn't even... This isn't a Batman who's, like, incapable of being hit. Because he does take hits constantly throughout this movie. He, he messes up a lot in this movie and gets hurt. He messes up and, you know, it allows the bad guys to kind of get one over on him. But this is also a Batman who isn't afraid of getting shot. And I think that kind of builds this image that he can't be shot. He can't be killed with a gun. And that kind of goes into that mythic nature of Batman where criminals are afraid of him because he can't be hurt, at least from what they understand. Um, and I like that a lot. I like, again, just how quiet he is, how he only says what he needs to say to kind of scare people. Um, and he, he seems competent, but not without failure. Now, I, I guess the first negative I can say to that is that, other than with the, the main villain and how he kind of messes up with the riddle and stuff... Um, Batman taking hits or being sloppy never really feels like there's a consequence to it. Um, he is never hurt to a degree where he fails to do something. Like, even towards the end of the movie, it kind of seems like he's he's done. Like, he, he can't fight anymore. And then he gets back... He, he uses a special, like, adrenaline shot or something, and now he's back on his feet. And, like, I don't know. If you're gonna set up that this Batman's sloppy and he takes hits, I, I want to see the consequence. Like, you you have several shots of Robert Pattinson without a shirt on, and I think, you know, he's muscular or whatever, but I don't think you see battle scars or anything like that. And this is a Batman who's only two years in. But, like, I don't know. Like, if he had to, like, walk with a cane in certain parts of the movie, or if he was, like, downing pain medication throughout the movie, I guess it would be a different story. Um, but it never really felt like him messing up here and there and getting hurt ever really affected him in this movie. Um, what else? What else? Uh, what else do I like? Let's 
to go back to talking about what I like. I like the costume a lot. I like the suit. Um, I like that the the cowl is like leather, and the armor is pretty cool. They never explain his bat logo, which I think is okay. Like I don't know. I, I remember when, when promos of the suit first came out. People suspected that the bat might have been made out of the gun that killed his parents. Um, they don't go into that here. What they do establish is that he can take his bat symbol out and use it like a big knife. And, you know, for all the gear that he has in this movie, it was surprising to me that he didn't he didn't throw at least one batarang. And maybe that's a stupid thing to kind of criticize with this movie, but... Batarangs are kind of synonymous. Syn oh, sword. Batarangs are just part of the whole thing, right? It's like a Batman without batarangs is like a Batman without a Batmobile, or a Batman without a Batcave, or a Batman without a Bat costume. Like, it really is kind of just part of the whole deal. And, like, granted, you know, batarangs are silly. They're, for me, they're even sillier when you try to make them something else, like the throwing shurikens in the uh, Nolan movies. But, like, dude, they're just... That's just that's just what he... He throws batarangs. Like, I, I don't know, man. I was really upset that even when he took the bat logo off his chest, he didn't throw it at anybody. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's a nitpick, but it's kind of a big deal. You know, it... it it would be like if Spider-Man couldn't stick to walls, or if Superman didn't have heat vision. Like, it's just kind of an integral part to Batman's whole setup, and it's not even referenced. He, he doesn't even, like, try to invent the battering in this movie, and it's just weird to me. Um, but again, I like the suit. I like the, the cape looks good. He, he uses a wingsuit in this movie, which I think is fine. I, I like the... I guess I like the practicality of this Batman as well. Like, he has a wingsuit that's kind of packed into his costume. Um, he has... I don't even think he has smoke grenades, but he uses smoke as a cover during, like, the final fight. Um, I think he has explosives as well. He's, he's got he's got gear, definitely. He's got everything but the batarang, apparently. Um, he's, he's got the grappling hook. They kept that in there, which is like, okay, good, I'm glad. Um... Something else I like a lot about this depiction of Batman in terms of, like, his gear and what he has. Um, I like that he doesn't... He doesn't live in Wayne Manor. This one is very distinct in this in this way, where he lives in the penthouse of Wayne Tower. And I think the Bat... I don't know if the Batcave is even underground. I guess it is, because he gets there through, like, a subway tunnel or something. Um, <clears throat> I like his Batcave. Even though it's very small. It feels very small, very compact... Um, but it's, it's fine. It's a fine Batcave. I really like the Batmobile in this. This might be my favorite Batmobile, and it doesn't even come down to the design, because the design is that it's just a fucking car. It's like a muscle car. Um, it's got this crazy engine, shoots out blue flame or whatever, and it's loud. But, like, what I love about this Batmobile is that when it's introduced in the movie, it's introduced with the same gravitas as Batman is introduced. Um, it comes out of the darkness, it revs up, it sounds like a demon... It, 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 when it shows up and they have, like, the orchestra playing and the car headlights coming on, you know, and you see the criminals all being afraid of it, it's, like, it's perfect, right? It's something that the other Batmobiles haven't done. The other Batmobiles, you know, they get this flashy first appearance. They look cool, I guess, design-wise, but, like, no Batmobile has had a presence 
like this one, which is what I really like about it. He also gets like a little uh, bat motorcycle, which is fine. I don't, <laughs> I don't dislike Batman riding a motorcycle, so whatever. Um, what else? I, Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is very antisocial. Uh, very held up in his tower. He doesn't make public appearances or anything. He's kind of just awkward and kind of moody, which is fine for an early Bruce Wayne. I do like it when Bruce Wayne does have a uh, a presence in the public of Gotham. Uh, again, it's early on. I kind of excuse that. Um, there's really not a lot of separation. I think that's okay for a first movie. You know... It, you know, I don't want to say it's hard, but, like, setting up this idea that there's essentially three versions of Bruce Wayne. There's Batman, there's Bruce Wayne, the billionaire, and then there's the guy in the middle who's, like, you only see him at home, basically. Um, it can get kind of difficult writing for, you know, these three very distinct versions of one person. Um, and I think having Bruce Wayne... Like, in this movie, Bruce Wayne and Batman are essentially the same person in terms of how they act and, and how they talk to people. Um, I think that's that's fine, especially from a Batman who isn't very public. And, I mean, you know, he's around cops all day and stuff, but more so a Batman who doesn't make it a point to show his personality to people. Um, that's not really important to him. And probably my favorite thing with this movie is that they make it a point by the end of the movie... That, because, you know, there's a lot, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things in this movie, because it's three hours long, there's a lot of things in this movie where it's like, they throw a curveball at the Batman dynamic, and how, you know, that mythology works with him, and they don't, I, I stress to say they don't go far enough, they, they, they almost do this thing where Batman's father was corrupt, but then they kind of reel it back and forgive Thomas Wayne, pat him on the back and say, oh no, he was still a good man. He was still a perfectly good man. He wasn't a bad person. He wasn't corrupt. It's fine. It wasn't his fault. And they, they run it back, right? And then I'll, I'll get to the thing I like about the ending and what Batman kind of comes to. But now, now I'm just complaining about how they don't go full force with any of these things. They establish in this movie that Martha Wayne was formerly Martha Arkham, uh, and that she was a patient at Arkham Asylum, and she was crazy. Um, and again, they don't go the full way with that. It's never like, when Bruce learns that information, he doesn't question if he himself is insane because his mother was. Um, he doesn't, I don't think he investigates, I think he goes to Arkham, and it's like all closed down and stuff, but he never, he doesn't go there in the pursuit of any information about his mother. And I know that this movie... This movie is about the Riddler. <laughs> the Riddler is the main villain of this movie. But, like, even though it's not a... It's not an origin movie. This isn't Batman's first outing. He's been doing this for two years. And yet, they still had to find a way to make the movie about the Waynes. And, like... Like, their kind of prehistory being, like, retconned. Like, like being changed. And, and everything you knew about the Waynes was wrong. And I just feel like the movie didn't need that. It feels kind of stuffed. I think if the whole movie... Like, if you're going to do a thing where, like, Batman learns that his parents were corrupt or his parents were crazy and, you know, how does that affect him? How does that affect him as, as a superhero? 
does that affect the public um, opinion about Bruce Wayne? If you're going to do all that stuff, I don't think you can do it in the same movie where Batman is trying to like catch a serial killer who's exposing corrupt politician. Like, I, I just think it's it's too much on one plate. Um, and, and there's never any time to breathe with the information that we're given because there's so much else to talk about. And again, involving Bruce's parents in this and revealing things about his backstory, it, it comes off a little hollow and you don't get to see how he's affected by this new information for too long. Again, because they don't want to leave anything open-ended. Like, when he confronts Alfred about the information that he learns, Alfred is like, oh no, all that's wrong, like, he's actually a good person, don't be mad at your dad. And it's like, okay, problem resolved, we're not going to talk about it anymore. And then, you know, they try to, it's like they try to have their cake and eat it too, when it comes to the Waynes as well, because they imply that the Waynes were killed by organized crime because of their involvement with organized crime, but then Alfred implies that it might have been the Falcons, it might have been the Maronis, or it might have just been some random criminal, you know, who just wanted to make a buck. And it's like, if you're going to set up this whole conspiracy with Bruce Wayne's father being involved in the criminal underworld and being corrupt and his mother being crazy, if you're going to set all that stuff up, I don't think you can just shoo away that topic by leaving it as open-ended as you did and not having a solid answer to it like it creates too much intrigue about what Thomas Wayne was really like to imply and say all that stuff and then it kind of feels like like kind of a cowardly move to try and say oh his death was random oh the two of them were good people it just doesn't like feel consistent to what they were trying to do like it, it just it's it's weird like, it, it, when it starts interesting, it immediately isn't interesting anymore because of the way they handled that plot detail. And it, it's, like, it's really, it's really disappointing because this Batman is so subtle and kind of contained throughout the movie. He's so kind of, like, you don't see him freak out too often. But for a story like that, that would kind of jeopardize the name of Thomas and Martha... You want to see Batman react, and you want to see how it affects him throughout the movie, but that's not what the movie is about, so why are we even bringing it up? Um, what I do like, and again, <laughs> I can't even get to what I like without remembering something I don't like, but I wish they went the full way with it, because the idea of his father being corrupt... Because, here's the thing, right? <clears throat> Batman within the society of Gotham is supposed to be this uncorruptible symbol of goodness. And yet, he works closely with Selina Kyle, who isn't completely good. She, in her own way, is kind of corrupt and messed up. But he sees the good in her. Even though, like, like they, they do this thing where, and we'll talk about Selina in a minute, but they do this thing where up until he learns Selina's secret, Batman is just like, whatever, you're a person, you're not, I have no reason to think that you're bad. And then when she, when her secret comes out, and, like, you know, she says she wants to kill the this person that killed her friend or whatever, like, when Batman realizes, oh, you're a bad person, like, he calls her out on it. And then he has to come back and apologize for that, and realize that, like, just because 
just because Selena is a little bit dirty and a little bit bad, it doesn't mean she isn't, you know, like, redeemable. And he has to believe that because that's what he believes about Gotham. And that extends to, like, himself. And it, it's like, it's like, prior to what he learned about his father, the idea of redemption never affected Bruce himself. Because in his eyes, his parents were good people, and in his own way, he was continuing the good work that his parents were doing for Gotham City, a city they believed could be saved. So, because they believed it, now Bruce believes it. But it's like everything that Bruce does as Batman, he does because of this ideal he had about his parents and the impression he got from his parents. But when that's tested by the truth about Thomas and Martha, and it's tested by a relationship that Bruce makes with Selina Kyle, who is this kind of, you know, down the dumps, like, you know, she's not rich, she's not white, she's not powerful, she's, you know, and she, she steals to get by because she has to. When he's tested by these things, his, his perception of Gotham being saved is recontextualized, not by what his parents believed, but by what he believes about himself and his parents. Now it's not about Gotham is redeemable, it's the, the name of the Waynes is redeemable. You know, I am redeemable. And that's what transitions Batman from the beginning of the movie, calling himself vengeance and kind of holding nothing back from, t um, from taking down bad people. There's even a bit where, you know, in, in regards to a corrupt cop, Gordon, J Jim Gordon, he, he, says he says to Batman, like, you make it sound like this cop deserved to die. And Batman doesn't have a straight answer for him. So, you get that Batman who is, you know, unwieldy with his morals and his, his philosophy and his beliefs, who goes through this self-reflection of, you know, his parents being who they were, and, and now Selina being who she is, and, and what that means to Bruce himself. By the end of it, he realizes in order for, you know, Gotham to be saved, he can't be vengeance, he has to be hopeful, he has to be, like, there to help. And of course, by the end... You see a Batman who's in the daylight, who is helping people, you know, get on, you know, medical helicopters or whatever, and he's talking about how, like, I can't beat up the past. All I can do is try to repair for the future. And that's, you know, I don't love the, <laughs> the I guess, fourth or fifth. I don't like, like, the, the final act of this movie very much, but I do like how Batman's ending is... I can't be vengeance anymore. I have to do more. I have to be hopeful and I have to help the city and, and, and punching people isn't helping anyone. I need to be a beacon of hope. And that's awesome. That contrasts basically every other Batman we've had before. Um, that is just really great and I think really responsible and I, I like it a lot. I like that this is a... And it kind of sets up, for me at least, in my hopes, it sets up a Batman who is a bit more public and a bit more, like, like, he might become a Batman who could have a Robin, or could work with Superman, or could just be, you know, you know, willing to talk to a civilian outside of, you know, solving a crime. It, and more importantly than that, it kind of sets up the idea that Bruce Wayne might use his billionaire status, that identity, in order to do the help that Batman can't, you know, it might be hard for Batman to transition from vengeance to hope, but it might be easier if he can put that 
you know, hopeful, constructive version of himself into someone who, you know, makes more sense to be doing what that is. Like, like next movie, he, he might not be out in the public helping people with repair efforts and stuff, but he might use his Bruce Wayne identity to do that instead, you know? Um, that's just a lot of stuff I like about Batman, but also, like, the stuff I don't like, I don't... The stuff I don't like about Robert Pattinson's Batman has nothing to do with him as an actor. I think he does a terrific job. Um, it, it wasn't for preparation at all, but I, I had watched all the Twilight movies with Macy, so I'm aware of what stupid Robert Pattinson kind of looks like, but he's an amazing actor, and, uh, you know, nothing about his character, excuse me, I don't know, it's like everything wrong with Batman in, the, in this movie, um, is more on the part of the plot and not as much on the character. Uh, so we have Zoe Kravitz, who played Selina Kyle, aka Catwoman, uh, again, they don't ever call her Catwoman, but, um, She's really good. She's probably my favorite Catwoman on screen. Um, the, the, the bar is kind of low for me, but I really did like Anne Hathaway from the Nolan movies. Um, the thing I like about Selena in this movie is that she's a person. <laughs> she She's very, very down to earth, and I like that a lot. Like, a lot of Catwomen in, like, film and movies and stuff, they kind of come off as, like, pretentious, or they kind of come off a little too overconfident for their own, like, self, like, their own good. But, like, <clears throat> this is a cowman who does have a, self, a sense of self-confidence. She can take care of herself. She, you know, wants to solve the problem her way. And it's nice because there are parts in this movie where you kind of get the sense, like, Batman is using Catwoman. But they eventually kind of flip the switch on that. And present it more as Catwoman using Batman. And it's interesting because, you know, they have that back and forth. And then it does slowly develop into something a bit more. Obviously a romantic relationship. Uh, especially in the case of, like, like I, I guess both of them, right? Because Selina Kyle, even if they don't want to... Like, that's the thing, too. They don't go the full way on this. Selina Kyle is like a waitress at a CD bar. Or a CD club, I should say. But they don't want to say that she's a, a sex worker. They're perfectly fine with saying that her roommate and her like her friend is a sex worker. And they involve her in the whole corrupt politician plot. But we can't say that Selena is a sex worker. We can't... We're not going to go that extra mile. We, we want to have our cake and we want to eat it too. We don't want to just have the cake. Um, but like... I like that she's down to earth. And I like that like her relationship with Batman... It starts off like this partnership, and then you you see that Batman does care about her, and she cares about him, and it's it's nice, you know. I, I think, you know, of all the things to cut from this movie, I wouldn't cut the Catwoman stuff. Um, I will say this does bleed into the <sighs> too many plot lines problem. I think in this it happens in this movie because Catwoman has her own plot. It's weird, right? Because it, when it starts, it doesn't feel like too much. When it starts, it's just like she had this friend who hooked up with a politician who ends up being one of the Riddler's um, victims, and that's how like she she's looking for the guy that killed her her friend, and that's what causes Batman and Catwoman to work together, right? Whatever, that's fine. But you know they start involving 
uh, what's his name? Carmine Falcone, who ends up being Selena's father. That's our big dark secret. And everything with Falcone, we'll talk about him later, but like everything with him feels extra and unnecessary. I think it would have been a way better mood, a way better move. And I, I hate suggesting like doing a sh announcing a show before the movie even comes out, because that's what they did with Penguin. Because Penguin's getting a show, but fucking Catwoman's not. Like Catwoman should have got a show after this, where you settle all the stuff with her, with her crime lord father. Like that's all I'm saying there. But, um, and again, I don't like how she's used in the final act. She basically gets like damsel distress, you know almost choked to death twice in this movie, and Batman has to save her both times. Um, I just think it's, it's too much there. But, like, again, the parts that work with Catwoman are really good. She's very down-to-earth. She's really realistic. She's the only character to call out how Batman is probably some rich white guy that doesn't know anything about actual problems in the world. And I like that a lot. I like any character who will call out Batman because he doesn't actually understand the criminal world and why people are criminals. I think it's a, it's a very progressive way to criticize Batman. Like, I'm really... It, it, people making jokes about how Batman spends millions of dollars to punch the mentally ill people, I'm over it. Alright? I'm, I'm, I'm fucking over it. There's plenty of comic books and animated movies where Batman tries to help these people, and in a lot of cases he does. There are Batman comics where Batman will, instead of being the crap out of a criminal... He will just, like, stop them for what they're doing, give them a business card, say, hey, call this number. Uh, it's someone that works for the Wayne Foundation. You can get a job with them. There are plenty of comics like that. There are comics where sometimes the, you know, mental rehabilitation... Sometimes, sometimes the people at Arkham do their job. And it doesn't always last, i.e., like, Clayface and stuff, but sometimes the, the Batman villains do get redeemed. And sometimes, you know... The system works. But the idea of Batman's status as a white billionaire one percenter, that hasn't been used as often. That's a very new kind of criticism that writers have tackled in Batman books in like the last 10 years or so. Um, so I really like bringing that to the forefront and having Selina kind of acknowledge that. Um, and it's, again, Selina, like a lot of the characters in this movie, is in a way some sort of reflection of Batman. Um, and I think it's a reflection that works. Um, practically speaking, obviously Zoe Kravitz is very attractive. Um, she does command a lot of uh, screen attention. They do this whole thing with the contact lenses that are also cameras. I think that's, in I think that's really awesome. I also think, I like Sol ah, Lysolt. I also like how the most high-tech gadget Batman has are those contacts, because I, I like that. I like that the most high-tech thing he has isn't a weapon, it isn't like a big battle tank, it's like this little thing, this little gadget that he has on his person, um, and despite how small it is and how, you know, almost, you know, f not forget, I guess forgettable as it might be, it, it's super important to what he does, and I, I like that a lot. That kind of shows, again, the ingenuitivity, is that the right word? It shows, like, that Batman is smart, that he has that, and he, and he, and he knows that he needs that in order to do his job correctly, because he doesn't fucking sleep. <laughs> um, I like that a lot. But again, I like Catwoman. I wish she got her own show. I, ugh, man, she's great in this. Like, she, she's the only Catwoman where it's like, she shows up, and I'm like, oh, cool, Catwoman's here. <laughs> I, I really don't like Catwoman in a lot of things.
Um, we have Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon. Uh, at this point, he's a lieutenant. Uh, he's another character who is, you know, basically at Batman's side throughout the movie. And I like that a lot. I think the Batman-Gordon relationship is really good in this. Gordon, because it's not an origin movie, we don't fully explore it, but Gordon is kind of devoted to working with Batman. And I think that's great. I like that a lot. Um, I like that there's never... Like, there, there is a bit where, where he calls out Batman for basically, like, you know, shit-talking cops. But other than that, this is a Jim Gordon who clearly wants... Who, who thinks that Batman is believable. And he, wa he wants to believe in Batman. He has the bat signal. And, like, there's clearly this whole uneasy relationship between the police officers and Batman. But Gordon is kind of the intermediary. He's the guy in the middle, right? And they don't just show kind of one side of that debate. Because, again, it'd be very easy to just have Jim Gordon simp for Batman the whole movie... While the other cops are like, ah, Jim, we don't respect you because you always choose Batman over us. But, like, there are bits where, like, Batman gets in an argument with a cop and Jim is like, what are you doing, Batman? You can't just argue with the other cops. You're going to get me in trouble. Like, it's good. It's good that this is a Jim Gordon who will work with Batman but isn't afraid to call Batman out on his bullshit. I think that's a really good way to establish this working relationship between these two characters. And again, it's really cool to see Batman go into a fight or go into a scene, and Gordon is his backup. He's, like, right behind him. I, I like that a lot. Um, they get to drive cars together. It's great. I will say, I, I do like Jeffrey Wright, right? And I, I think he's a, he's a fine Gordon. I don't even know if I have a favorite Gordon, to be perfectly honest. But he's, you know, he might be the contender there. Um, it, <laughs> I had to kind of... It, it's hard to take him seriously, and it's, it's on no fault of the actor. I think Jeffrey Wright did fine. But, like, his performance is so different from a lot of the characters in this movie that it kind of feels like I'm watching a sketch. Like, it kind of feels like Jeffrey Wright's version of Jim Gordon is a over-the-top, comedic, like, 80s cop take that, like, um... Uh, oh, God, which... I'm trying to remember which one is key and which one's peel. Keenan-Michael Key, I think that's the one who's, like, directs movies now. Oh, uh, jeez, I think that's, I think that's right. But he, he feels like a character from Keenan Peel. Uh, he, he feels like this, you know, what are you doing, man? We gotta figure this out, you know. <laughs> so, what's our next hit? What's our next beat? Like, he just, he does this voice, and I don't know if it's legit or not, but it's, it's comedic. It, like... In any other context, it's it's comedic, um, but Jim Gordon is fine. I don't know if that Batwoman or Batgirl show is gonna be about hit like that version of Gordon, or if it's gonna be in the Snyderverse. I don't fucking know anymore. Um, Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth. I I, I really didn't care, <laughs> which sucks because I like Alfred in the comics and I like him in, in other movies. I like you know I thought about it today and I was like you know I I like the I like the what's his name. Was it Jeffrey Irons? What's his name? Jeffrey Ironside? What's his name? The one... I like, I like the... I like the Batman vs. Superman version of Alfred. Henry Irons? Is that his name? No. Damn it. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. But, like, I've liked other Alfreds. This is just... I don't know. I don't mind any circus. I like him in things. I like that he directs. I like him as Claw. I think he's... He's fine. But, like... 
other than getting blown up and having an emotional scene with Bruce, I just wasn't really interested in him that much. Um, it really didn't feel like, like that scene where he's in the hospital with Bruce, it, it does feel like, like a good scene, but like, I don't know, dude, there's this whole bit with the cufflinks, which like, I feel like they never make up for, I mean, maybe they make up for it with that hospital scene, but I'm just not really, I don't know. He didn't grab my attention all that well. And, like, they try. They try to do this thing where Alfred tries to help solve the riddles. And he's never as big of a help as he tries to be. Which is, it sucks. It would be really nice if something Alfred learned actually affected solving the riddle. But it really just feels like Bruce does all the work. And, like, even though Alfred tries. Like, I feel like we get more than halfway through the movie... And Alfred is still working on the first riddle or something. That's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, I just didn't... I didn't hate his performance. I just didn't really care. Like, this wasn't an Alfred that really grabbed my attention. And it, this wasn't an Alfred who I think felt like had a strong relationship with Bruce Wayne. Even when they tried to establish it in the hospital scene. Um, he really just doesn't get to do much. Uh, and then one of the villains we get here is Paul Dano. Dano? Paul Dano. He plays the Riddler. He has multiple uh, fake names, but I think they officially say his name is Edward Nashton. Um, so, Riddler in the comics, for me, is kind of like... He's never enough, I guess. You know, like, I've, ne I've never... I'm never excited for a Riddler story. I think Riddler is very good when you're trying to establish Batman as a, de as a detective, which is what this movie does, which is why it's three hours long. Um, and I think this version of the Riddler is fine. I think most of the time, Riddler's whole shtick is he tries to prove that he's smarter than Batman. That, obviously, is not what this Riddler is about, but I think in this movie, his motivation is really good. I actually really like that this Riddler is kind of a reflection of Batman. Um, they do this thing where they establish that the Riddler, as a child, was an orphan, and, you know, while he was kind of stuck in this shitty orphanage program... All he would read in the newspapers and on television would be about this poor, you know, would be the only orphan that people cared about was, like, Bruce Wayne, who was rich and had a place to go and, like, a warm bed waiting for him. And he was like, that's not an orphan. I was an orphan and no one ever talked about me. I like that. I like that motivation. I like that they managed to connect Batman and the Riddler without making anyone related to each other. Or ever having, you know, these characters meet as adults. Like, it, it really is just sort of like, this kid had a crappy upbringing, and all the attention was on someone else, you know? And I don't remember in the movie exactly why... I, I guess it's just an unfair system and stuff, but like, the thing with the Riddler in this movie is that he tries to bring out corrupt people and bring them into the light and show everyone that, like politicians, police officers, no one is purely good. And I think I think it's fine. I think he gets that from what he learns about Thomas Wayne and everything. But the point is, like, this is a Riddler who is just, you know, anti-establishment. And I, th I think it's fine. I like that. I like that he has a following online. I think that's very realistic. If you really want to do a realistic villain nowadays, you have to give them an online following. Um, I don't know about the costume. <laughs> I get what they're trying to do with that. They're trying to make him a scary serial killer. Um, but putting question marks on a trash bag doesn't make it the Riddler for me. Like, uh, would, it, would, it, would, would it 
have been silly to put Paul Dano in like a bowler cap and a a tight bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, would have. But like, I don't know. I I guess I don't even mind like the coat. It's really just the mask that's weird to me. The mask and the glasses. I don't know. I I get what they're doing. I'm not really into it. This is very much a how do we make Riddler gritty and down down to earth. I will say the opening scene with Riddler is amazing. It's terrific. I love that scene a lot. It's very creepy and his heavy breathing and and everything. Um, Paul Dano's performance, though, you know, he's trying to be crazy and stuff. It's very over the top. And it, 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 it's another performance that's kind of weird. It doesn't feel like it fits in this movie. Um, but sometimes it does. Especially in the scene where he's, you know, been arrest, uh, arrested. I was going to say arrested. Like, that's a word. He's been arrested, and he's in, you know, he's talking to Batman behind a screen. Um, that scene is very good. I, I love that when they just kind of straight up establish that Riddler is doing what he's doing because of Batman, and he thinks, like, that's just, like, cl like perfect modern-day sociopath. Riddler thinks that he and Batman are, like, working together. And when, Brat and when Batman is like, you and I aren't the same, you're a criminal, I don't like you, we're not working together, fuck you. Riddler is like, no, no, we were friends, though. Like, that's, ah, oh, it's so good. And it, it, it's, it's again, like, modern villain shit. It's like, this dude did all this with this delusion that he and Batman are in, are, like, in on it, like, together. Um, and it's, it's good to establish him as, like, a real villain in this universe, and it's also good to remind Batman that he's not perfect and that his existence it will spawn, like, these criminals. Um, but not in, like, the obvious way. Like, that's another thing about Batman that people like to bring up all the time. It's like, well, if Batman didn't exist, you know, the Joker and, and, and Poison Ivy and, and Scarecrow, none of them would exist. They were inspired by Batman. And, like, you always hear that, but you never see it in movies. You never see someone, like, like you know, Batman appears and they're like, oh, I have to do messed up stuff now. You don't get to see that, and I, I like seeing that in this movie. Um, again, I don't like the finale, but I do like the bit where he knocks down some guy, asks who he is, and the dude's like, I'm vengeance, and that's the thing that Batman's been saying throughout the movie, and it's it's that point of reflection that goes towards him wanting to be a, a symbol of hope for Gotham. He doesn't want to be vengeance anymore because that message of ven vengeance was misconstrued and twisted by the wrong people, and I like that a lot. Um... I like the, like, Riddler's performance and his, Riddler's whole deal in this movie allows Batman to find some self-reflection and be self-aware, and I think that really helps. You really need this character to be self-aware if you're going to try and convey something with him. If you're going to try to give him a character at all, he needs to be self-aware in some way. Um, I think it's interesting Riddler never got a fight scene. Not bad. I just think it's interesting. I, I like that he didn't. I like that this movie showed some 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 con ah some constraints with that bit. Um, I think the movie should have ended after Riddler was caught. <laughs> That's been something I've been saying throughout this is like once he's caught, like, wrap it up. Like, you could still bomb all the bridges, but the whole bit where his followers grab guns and they're like shooting at people and Batman has to fight them. And then one of them tries to kill Catwoman, and Batman's, like, down for the count. And so he just does an adrenaline, adrenaline shot that they just never fucking, uh, like, talk about or set up throughout the movie. Uh, and, and 
he just stops them. It just it just feels like some extra nonsense that we didn't need. Um, and I think if you cut around that, you obviously miss the unvengeance thing. But the idea of Batman inspiring the wrong kind of people, you already get that with the Riddler's whole conversation in in, in the prison, um, and the whole bit of him you know, helping people get to, like, stretchers and stuff. You, you can still do all that stuff. The whole fucking city was flooded. You can still help people. Um, and you still... And the thing is, too, you don't miss out on the scene where he's helping people out of rubble and guiding them. Like, you can still do all that stuff. Like, the the Riddler goons with guns are completely inconsequential to everything that happens. Um, but, yeah. Riddler's, Riddler's fine in this movie. Uh, his riddles were... His, I don't know, they handled the riddle thing weird, because some of them are obvious, and they don't really mean anything, but, like, specifically the one where it's, like, a rat with wing, a, a rat with wings, they, they fucking harp on that for so long, and it, it, it's weird, because all the other riddles go by in a flash, and they're not difficult for Batman at all, but for some reason it's like, uh, a rat with wings... Penguin is a rat with wings, and so they fucking chase after him. They're like, wait, hold on, Carmine, uh, Carmine Falcone, his last name is Falcone, that means Falcon. And then they're like, he could be a rat with wings, let's go get him, go him. And like, for a minute, and this is what fucked with me, right? When they said a rat with wings, my first thought was bad, right? Obviously. But they mean rat in terms of, like, you know, someone who snitches on their side, but, like, they, they sort of, they, they almost point that finger. Someone, I think Penguin goes, like, you know what a rat with wings sounds like to me? Sounds like a bat. Like, they, they do the implication, but they don't go anywhere with it. And, again, it wouldn't really make, sorry, I think I hit something down here. It wouldn't really make sense for the rest of the movie, obviously, but, like, I, I don't know. I, it was just a weird riddle to, to go with. They really could have done any other bird-related riddle and gotten the same result, but they had to do the rat with wings one. Um, I also like that the Riddler just sets up websites and has, like, this dark web YouTube channel. <laughs> I, I do like the, the Riddler scene where he's got a bomb around that dude's neck, uh, in, like, a church or something. Although that scene does lead to Batman being exploded <laughs> by a bomb, like, at point-blank range and surviving, which is, like, fuck-off movie. Um, see, again, that would have been a great opportunity to set up a vulnerable Batman who has, like, a brain injury or something, but they just don't, they're just like, ah, he survived the bomb, it's fine. It is fine, there's no, no casualties. You do, you know, we get to have him escape from the police precinct, isn't that cool? Eh. Doesn't really fucking matter at the end of the day, but whatever. Um, we got Colin Farrell as Oswald's Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin. He, he's great. <laughs> he's great. Is he the best Penguin? I don't know, I still like the DeVito one. Um, but this is a very down-to-earth version of Penguin. It's really funny that it's Colin Farrell, who they just apparently loaded with makeup and mask prosthetics. Um, but he does a great job. And I, I like this. What I really always wanted from a Batman movie is a movie that doesn't treat Penguin as the main villain, but just kind of a part of Gotham. Like, like he's not the center person who's, you know, connected to everything. He, he is just a part of Gotham that Batman has to deal with. And I like that. I like that Penguin is just kind of a background villain in this movie. Uh, and I also like that his scenes, they're cut up pretty well, like, like in terms of pacing and everything. Because you get a scene that establishes Penguin, and again, you, he's not, not charming in any way, but he's fun to watch. 
And then you get an action scene where he doesn't fight Batman, but he gets in a car chase. A car chase that, I should say, lasted way too long. I, I get that, like, again, when the Batmobile shows up, it's really cool. When Penguin's car crashes and Batman, like, drives through a, a pit of fire and then he gets out of the car and slowly walks up to the Penguin, that's cool. Everything in between did not need to be there. Like, just, just cut that down. That does not need to be there. It's already a three-hour movie. We don't need a huge chase scene. Is, is my thing. Um, he's great. He even, like, Penguin even gets to talk crap about Batman and Jim Gordon to their faces, and that's good. You get the bit where he's all tied up, so he has to waddle away. That's awesome. Um, it's weird that he's getting a show. I don't think he should get a show, but whatever. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, he did a great performance in this movie, and uh, I really enjoyed watching Penguin. Um... And then the last character I want to talk about is John Tur John Turturro, who plays Carmine Falcone. Uh, I, or Carmine Falcone. I never really liked the gangster characters in the Batman universe. For me, they were always kind of just like, an, like a starting problem. Like, your first Batman movie should probably deal with like a crime family or two. But, like, they should never stick around too often. Like, because there's so many colorful Batman villains who are fun and interesting and have gimmicks that just dealing with generic crime bosses and stuff, it, it kind of feels pointless. Um, excuse me. In the context of this movie, Falcone is just like, he's got this powerful presence. And I, again, nothing about the character, nothing I dislike about the character has anything to do with the performance. <laughs> excuse me. Totoro does a great job, right? But I just don't feel like he needed to be here. Like, we're dealing with the Riddler. We already have a crime boss character with the Penguin, who everyone knows. Why did we need this extra character? You know, did we need it to make Catwoman's story more interesting? Why are we doing that now? Why Why couldn't Catwoman get a show with, with, with Falcone or something? Like, I don't even... I don't even mind him being, like, a background villain in this movie. Like, if he just showed up once and we learned that He's Selena's father, and, you know, that information kind of changes the context of how Batman sees Catwoman. That, that would be one thing, but, like, it just feels... It's another just extra piece that's put on this movie. I, I wonder if Riddler just wasn't enough for the writing team for this movie. Like, again, it's fine that Penguin and Falcone are, like, background pieces in this movie... And it's, but like, you know, you're doing stuff where like, oh, the, the, the Bruce Wayne's parents had these secrets and, oh, Catwoman's dad is this crime boss and he's got a connection to Batman's parents as well. And we, we need to, I don't know. It's just a lot, dude. I, I don't mind, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> I'm conflicted about it a lot. Cause it's like, oh, Falcone is Selena's father, but he's also like, the rat with wings that Riddler was talking about. So, like, he wants him dead, but, like, Batman wants to arrest him. But, like, Penguin obviously doesn't care if he's alive or dead because Penguin wants to take over his crime empire. Oh, but the, but the Riddler, remember, the Riddler's trying to bring him out, outside. But, like, also the cops can't admit that they got the information from him. Like, it's just... Way too much of this movie is centered around Falcone, who I, I really, as much as I like him, I think is indispensable. I think it's dispensable. I don't think he needs to be in this movie. And so much is kind of riding on his back, and it's like, why? Like, we, why? <laughs> like, I, I would have been way more entertained if this whole time Catwoman ended up being, like, the rat with wings. 
like, if it turned out outside of this, like, you know, club job and being a thief, if she had mob connections and she was... Because then it would kind of test her relationship with Batman a bit more and make it a bit more understandable why she and Batman just don't work out, you know? I don't know. Okay, we're past the characters. Um, I do want to say at this point in the recording, uh, if you hear stuff in the background, I do apologize. Uh, the washer and dryer are going downstairs right now. I'm recording in the office. Um, Macy is in the other room with our new dog, Honey Buns. Uh, so if you hear sounds and stuff, it's probably her talking or the dog barking, and I apologize ahead of time. Um, so now we get to the notes, just some stuff that maybe I didn't fit into the, the conversation about the characters. Um, so here we go. Again, technically, it's a terrific movie. I like the cinematography a lot. Um, this is a great shot. There's a lot of good shots, right? There's this shot early on in the movie where Batman is riding on a motorcycle. Well, I guess it's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is riding on a motorcycle through Gotham, and it's like this one kind of street in Gotham that has a bunch of neon signs and, and a very a very Times Square kind of look to it. But it's also rainy and dreary, and it looks the way that Gotham does look in the comics. It has a very noir feel. This is the first Gotham that kind of... Like, every Gotham has had, like, a personality, I guess. Um, but this is the first Gotham where the personality kind of lines up to what it's supposed to be in the comics. Um, and, like, again, cl very close ones for me have been um, the one in Joker, where it's kind of just like a shitty 1970s Chicago or whatever. Um, and then I haven't seen Birds of Prey, but, like, in that movie, from scenes that I have seen... It's kind of this hot, sweaty, like, garbage city. Um, but this just does it the best. I, I like this Gotham a lot. Um, but other shots that I love. Um, there's the shot where he, where Batman has saved a bunch of people from, like, crushed rubble towards the end of the movie. And he's guiding them towards, like, a dry area. And he's got this red flare above his head. There's a lot of play with co the colors of black and red. Um, and he's guiding all these people. And these people kind of, like, form the image of a cape behind him. And it's kind of like, for me, it's this, it's the, the beginning of Batman being a symbol of hope. Because now, instead of fighting the criminals, he's leading the innocent. And I love that a lot. That's a really good shot. Um, there's the shot that's in the trailers of, like, you know, Penguin crashes car and Batman rides through the flames and walks out of his car. That's really badass and cool. Um, the sound design is really good. Again, when towards the beginning of the movie where the criminals see the bat symbol, or bat signal, and they're looking into dark corners of the streets, you, you get, like, this eerie emptiness sound that's very creepy. Um, it's very much when you get up late at night to use the bathroom, but everything's dark, so you're kind of, like, afraid. <laughs> you know that there's nothing there, but, like, the ambiance kind of freaks you out. Uh, choreography is great. I love the fight scenes in this movie. I like that Batman and Catwoman have their own very distinct way of fighting, and I think that's important to, to keep. Um, there's, of course, the fight scene where Batman is in a hallway, and it's dark, and the only light is, like, the occasional gunfire that's shot at him. It has, like, a strobe light effect. It's really cool. Um, let's see, the opening scene and monologue, I talked about that. Um, the movie should have ended after Riddler was caught. We talked about that. Um, a lot of plots fight for attention. Uh, Riddler and the police corruption, Falcone and Selina, the death of the Waynes. We talked about that. A lot of them kind of fight for attention. Um, this movie doesn't go far enough. It should have had an R rating. I, I, I do believe in that, too. I understand that Batman is a character for everybody, but this is... Uh, I don't know, dude. 
I don't think this movie's going to be for every Batman fan. And it's going to be hard to put this guy on lunchbox, I think. But, yeah, I think it, it should have gone further and far. Like, it should have gone further with a lot of things, honestly. Like, the, the Waynes being corrupt... Selena kind of being dubious and kind of bad, like, you know, for, for a lot of parts, she's, she, she's more innocent than you'd expect, I think. Um, what else? Uh, more F-bombs? It's weird, okay, so the Penguin doesn't drop any F-bombs. There's one F-bomb in this movie, it's said by a cop, but, like, the Penguin doesn't curse, and the Penguin doesn't smoke cigars, which I think is stupid. Like, I think, I heard this story on set, like, was Colin Farrell was like, hey, so the Penguin should always have a cigar in his mouth, right? And some, like, WB executive was like, by no, by no exception, the Penguin should not have, the, uh, the WB executive was like, no, Penguin can't smoke in this movie. Which is like, why? It's the Penguin. How many fucking kids are coming out there being like, I want to be just like the Penguin. He's a bad guy. Let him smoke. Who cares? Um... I think my final note, which is something I kind of led with very early on, and it's, again, I talked about a lot of things I like about this movie, but one of the things I don't like is that I think this Batman movie doesn't do too much to advance what Batman is in the culture. Again, the best thing about this Batman movie is that it ends with him realizing he can't be vengeance, he has to be helpful, he has to help people. But I just think... For all of the great work that's done to, like, bring Gotham to life, all the work that's done to, you know, make this transition for Batman and to establish that his perception of right and wrong has to change and stuff. Like, like for all the work that's done, it's another, it's another movie about Batman, which is grounded in reality with a little bit of heightened fiction, where Batman is, like, kind of beginning. <laughs> He's antisocial. There's no Robin. Like, I just... We're not... It doesn't... It doesn't feel like a lot new is happening. It really just feels like someone over at DC, or I guess Matt Reeves or whatever, was like, hey, remember the Nolan movies? Remember how successful those were? God, I miss how, I miss how successful those Nolan movies were. God, I miss... Being able to do the Batman movies where he could, where we didn't have to do the silly shit. God, I, I miss doing Batman movies where characters didn't dress in ridiculous costumes or have ridiculous superpowers or, or you know, created these giant explosions. God, I, I miss, I miss not having a Batman who is like fun or, or cracks jokes or has any sort of levity to him. I really just miss having a moody, uh, emo Batman who is just starting out, and I just want that back again. And that, that's what it feels like to me. Like, as much as I like this movie, it feels like a step backwards. It feels like we're not doing anything new with Batman. It feels like we're not revitalizing the brand in a way that's significant or culturally relevant. You know, there's a lot of topics that they almost tackle in this movie that would have changed things. Again, regards to the Waynes, regards to rich billionaire socialites, in regards to, you know this sort of online conspiracy theory, like, online terrorist culture. There's a lot of things that they almost do that they don't want to do because it's a Batman movie. They couldn't even end this movie on, like, a, like, that, like on that note. Like, the perfect ending for this movie would have been, like, he's talking to Riddler in jail, 
Rather, I was like, I thought we were cool, but we're not cool, so fuck you. You know, I'm your enemy now, or whatever. You know, you inspired me. And then Batman's like, oh, man, this whole thing would have been avoided if I wasn't this symbol of vengeance and fear. And then, you know, the explosives go off, Gotham is flooded, and instead of the movie ending with Batman punching other Riddlers, because the other one was in jail already, it could have ended with Batman helping save people. Like, like th that would have been enough. Batman realizing that the Riddler was created by Batman's own weaponization of vengeance and fear would have been enough, I think, to inspire him to like go out there and help people in need from a disaster. You know, we didn't need the stopgap of like, okay, but first he has to punch these guys. But because it's a superhero movie, we need to end it with him punching these guys. That's, we need to do that. And like, I don't know, it feels so tacked on. It feels so tacked on when he's like, he's almost passing out and Selena is being choked to death for the fourth time. <laughs> and he pulls out this random vial of adrenaline or maybe the venom toxin or something, and he shoots it into his leg, and he gets strong, and he beats up to it. it just feels so, like, it comes out of nowhere. There's no setup that he has this adrenaline shot. There's no setup that, like, and again, you know what it is? If this movie was a little more stupider, that's not a good way to say it. If this movie was a little more dumb, they would have set up this whole plot line where he, in order to stay awake and stay vigilant and strong, he takes this drug that makes him strong and awake, but it also makes him more violent. Like, they very close, very close, they could have also done that plot, but I'm, I'm thankful they didn't. But it's just too much already. And, you know, I, I would have loved this movie ended in a, in a subversive way where, like, Batman doesn't really win. Like, he faces the consequences of his own existence, and instead of retiring and letting Bruce Wayne do all the work for him or just hiding from everyone, everyone and everything, if this movie just ended with, like... Batman having to choose between Catwoman and Gotham, and choosing Gotham because he believes it could be repaired and fixed, and that he, you know, as a person, as a superhero, he should be the one to help Gotham and be there for people. And he has to choose the city over this woman that he could have a future with. Like, either way, he is working towards a future, but working on fixing Gotham is a future that benefits everyone, and a future with Catwoman only benefits himself. Like, it's just, it, it would have been a way more, like, selfless movie, and I would have liked Batman a lot more if we had that. But there's so many steps in between, like, Riddler in jail and the end of the movie that it's it just, it like, you lose it a little bit. You really have to, like, you really need to pick apart a lot of the condiments on top to get to what this movie was trying to do with Batman. So, speaking of the future, we can talk about the future... Um, Robin, I really want a Robin, I really want a fucking Batman movie where he can have a Robin, and I don't want some, you know, 30-year-old man pretending to be 18, I don't want a police officer who at the very end has the first name Robin, I just want a Batman who sees a kid who, much like himself, is, you know, an orphan and full of rage and needs direction, and he's like, I'm gonna take this kid in, and, you know... By accident or by fate, that kid becomes a superhero with him. It just, I don't know. I, I love Robin. Like, Robin's my favorite character in comics. I, I have a very personal connection with Batman and Robin because of my relationship with my father. 
And I don't think it's too much to ask to have Robin be in these movies and be important and, and relevant and, like, his connection to Batman for it to mean something. Like, Batman and Robin wouldn't be a, synony a synonymous... Oh, my God. Batman and Robin wouldn't be this iconic comic book duo of characters if Robin didn't mean something to the Batman brand, to that, like, lineage, you know? I don't even need it to be a focus on legacy. I just think that, like, giving Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne, like, this kid sidekick who needs help, almost like you're making Robin an analogy for Gotham because, you know, Catwoman's not around to be that analogy anymore. Like, I just think that'd be great, and it would mature this Batman so much I just think there needs to be a Robin. And honestly, like, as much as I love Dick Grayson, I don't think he'd probably fit into this. I think you kind of need to do a different version of Robin who could fit into this, just, like, storyline-wise, right? Because Dick Grayson's a circus kid. It would really come out of left field if he showed up in this in this movie sequel. But um, Jason Todd would be perfect, right? Just some fucking kid from the streets with a bad upbringing. Someone that can kind of relate to Batman in that degree, where it's like he's got a lot of rage in him. He, he's got a lot of questions about authority and everything. Jason would be great, and like, do Jason Todd and like don't kill him off. How about that? How about we try something different with that? But uh, yeah, Jason Todd. It could be Tim Drake. You know, he he's a very adaptable character. You could even do Stephanie Brown, who sometimes is spoiler, sometimes is Batgirl, but has also been Robin, um, and she'd be great too. Uh, you know, a female Robin on the screen. You could do Carrie Kelly, who's another female Robin. Uh, you, you could do two, uh, what's his name? You could do Duke, uh, what's his name? Duke Thomas, who is one of the newer characters in the Batman comics. Um, they always imply that he might be Robin at some point, but they never go, like, the full degree with it. But Duke Thomas is a very good character as well. Yeah, just... Fucking do Robin. Um, my next note is no Joker. Please don't do Joker. Please, please, please don't do Joker. They tease him at the end of the movie, and I'm like, fuck off. Are you kidding me? As if we're not already working with a Batman who's taking steps backwards, culturally speaking. You're going to also set up the Joker? Stop. Stop trying to... <laughs> Stop making Jokers. Stop. Stop. Like... You, you let Jared Leto be Joker, and now he's going to have excess, a successful career as a vampire in a movie nobody asked for. You did Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and then said nothing about it after the movie was, like, out and done. Like, just stop making Jokers, please. We don't need Joker for, for anything. We don't need Joker. There's enough Batman villains. There are enough Batman villains who demand attention the way the Joker does. And maybe, maybe one day you will earn Joker. But, like, setting up Joker in this movie, like, it's Batman Begins all over again. Just don't. We don't need it. We got too many of those fuckers running around. Hawing and hooing and, and, and slapping people with, with smiling fish. We don't need those Jokers. Get them out of here. Fuck. Fuck it. Get out of here. Um, yeah, no Joker, please. Don't, don't do Joker. Um, maybe Hush? I'm not, I'm not fully 100% into the idea of doing Hush in this universe, but, like, they straight up imply Hush in this movie. Um, Hush is a villain from the Batman comics who was a family friend of the Waynes. Um, he ends up being a plastic surgeon. His main ability, his main trait is that he's such a good plastic surgeon, he can change his face to look like anyone else's face. He's, like, impersonated Bruce Wayne and stuff. Um, 
But, like, they, they straight up mention a character who has the same last name as Hush, uh, Elliot. And, and then, like, in Riddler's thing, he's like, he made Elliot Hush. And then, like, the, the word Hush is on the screen. So, like, if you know who Hush is from the Batman comics, it's like, oh, I see what they did. But that just might be a reference. I, I, Hush is very low maintenance. I, if they do put him in, they need to, like, pair him up with somebody else, too. Yeah, if you're going to do Hush, you got to pair him up with somebody else. My suggestion would be Hush and Clayface. I did a whole Batman movie pitch with uh, Hush and Clayface. They'd work pretty well, I think. Um, in terms of the Penguin and the Riddler, dude, like, as much as I like the Riddler being set up as this villain, it, like, like they set up Riddler pretty well in this movie to make a return in sequels, um, I'd be fine with Riddler being a background villain, almost like a Hannibal Lecter thing, where in order for Batman to learn about the new villain, he has to go to Arkham and talk to Riddler, that'd be fine. Um, I didn't, I didn't even talk about the fake-out with Riddler, they make it seem like Riddler knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, that's done very well, and I'm really glad that it's just a psycho. I'm really glad they don't go the full way with that. Um, I'm assuming Penguin's going to stick around, especially since he's getting his own show. But again, I would hope that he would stay this background element to Gotham. Like, Penguin and Riddler should stay the background elements to Gotham City. Definitely. They shouldn't be the main villains again, I think. Um, Catwoman, again, it's so weird that they have her just kind of leave. Especially with how good she was in this movie. Um... I don't know. If they're not going to give her her own show, I can't really see her coming back outside of, like, a cameo or something. Um, and then my last thing for the future of these these movies uh, would be maybe doing a story about Deacon Blackfire. Deacon Blackfire is one of the more obscure Batman villains. He's from a comic called Batman the Cult. It's a very good comic. Um, but it's basically just about Deacon Blackfire starting a cult. He's a paranormal character, but it's mainly about him having this cult um, and sort of weaponizing the homeless community of Gotham City and sort of taking over the city from politicians and everything. It's really good. Um, Jason Todd is in that story as Robin. It's one of the few really like cool, iconic Jason Todd, Robin stories in Batman's history. Um, but it's really good, and it, it shows a very compromised, vulnerable Batman. Um, I think a cult leader would be fine. Like, I think it would be kind of an opportune time for that. Like, this is a Gotham City that's already been flooded. There's an opportunity for someone to roll in and demand everyone's attention and respect and be like, I am the one who will save Gotham. And it would be interesting to have this plot where the public is trying to decide if, like, you know, they should believe in Batman as a symbol of hope or if they can trust this very religious man who comes out of the shadows to help them. Like, I think that's a interesting plot to go with. But yeah, that's everything. Uh, again, my rating is to go see this movie. The Batman is a movie worth seeing. It's a good movie. Make sure you got time for it because it's three hours. Um, but again, it, it's it's a weird movie. It It's very much this collage of a lot of interesting ideas that don't get the full time to breathe. And it might just be that they threw everything at the wall to see what would stick the most so they know what to do in the next movie. But, you know, again, as it stands, I, I know that Matt Reeves really wanted to make this movie, and I'm, I'm happy that he got to make it. I'm happy that someone that wanted to do a Batman movie got to do one. Um, but I just don't get, I don't see the point of this movie existing at all. Both as itself, because it's, it's really conflicting on what story it wants to tell and what, like, what plotline it wants to explore and open up on. And 
outside of itself, it's weird that we have this kind of half-shot connected universe that might be in jeopardy because of that Flash movie or whatever. Like, it's, it's weird that we have to think about that. It's weird that, like, Peacemaker, the show, included the Justice League from the Zack Snyder Justice League movie, but the Flash from the Justice League movie is also going to be affecting the multiverse by meeting up with, like, the Michael Keaton Batman from Batman 89 because people like that Batman a lot, but we're not going to talk about the Ben Affleck Batman anymore, even though he's the one from the Batman, from the Justice League, the Snyder Justice League, as was, you know, Superman played by Henry Cavill, but we're not, you know, when he cameos in Shazam, we're not going to actually, you know, have him show up. We're going to not show his face um, because we don't know if we're, we're, if we're keeping that Superman anymore. But hey, we're also might be doing a new Superman who's a black guy because um, because Jeff Johns apparently said some pretty um, rude things to one of our few black actors who would have gotten a movie that would have been part of the Snyder universe. But also Snyder, you know, a lot of people don't like his movies and so we're not going to continue his version of the DC Universe, but we're also going to continue his version of DC Universe by effectively giving Aquaman and Shazam and possibly even Wonder Woman, even though people didn't like Wonder Woman 2, uh, we're not going to recast her or anything because that would be kind of weird, even though we just recasted Batman we, and we were talking about doing a black Superman, but we're not going to do a new Wonder Woman because it's very soon for that, unless we're going to, in which case we're not going to continue the Snyder Universe, but we will continue because people like Aquaman from those movies and Jason Momoa is a great actor. So, in conclusion... Uh, I want to shoot myself in the head. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you check me out on YouTube because we've been doing these big video versions of uh, the Combo Buffet podcast. New episodes are always coming out month to month. And uh, as always, thank you for following. Uh, have a great day. Be kind to yourself and the people you love. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go drink some water and calm myself down. <laughs> Bye-bye.